if you're in a school classroom, for example, you know, it's quite normal for, you know, this thing to exist where the boys are bad and the girls are, quote, good. Good means being neat, quiet, sort of doing beautiful work, working hard, getting good marks. And now the, what's additionally come on top of that is looking amazing as well, by a very narrow definition of, of what amazing is. Welcome to Finding Peace in Parenting, the podcast where we deep dive into common parenting concerns. I'm Rani. And I'm Tracy ann On our previous episode, we were joined by Maggie Dent to talk about raising boys. And today, we're so thrilled to have parenting specialist Steve Bidoff joining us to talk about raising girls. We'll discuss the prevalence of anxiety amongst our girls, why girls struggle so much with their friendship groups, and how to raise girls with a healthy self-esteem. Tracy ann I have two sons. Although I won't be dealing with teenage girl in the house, I will be dealing with, oh my goodness, daughter-in-laws <laughs> and then some of my goddaughters as well. Mm -hmm. But you are raising two teenage sons and a twin daughter. What has been your biggest struggle to date been with the parenting a daughter? Well, firstly, Rani, I have to say, um, you'd definitely be one of Isla's aunties. As <laughs> oh, I love Isla. <laughs> as a mentor. I love it Isla. It takes a village, remember. Oh, look, I think the biggest struggle today with parenting a daughter, look, I'm so lucky. She's 10. She's still quite young. I guess the difference is the verbal communication. Um, she will challenge me more in the way I speak. She questions things more than the boys ever did. Like there was sort of a simplicity with the boys. What about the mood? So far, so good. But I think some things may be shifting and she, because we're so open with each other, I think she's acutely That's aware important. of what's going on, mm. which is brilliant. Mm. So, yeah, she'll sort of, whenever sort of any mishaps come along, she says, could it be my hormones? So I think, <laughs> you know, she's aware, which is brilliant. And again, that just comes down to open communication. Absolutely. And I think we hear a lot that the relationship between daughter and mo a mother is actually affecting on how and the quality of their relationship with their peers, mm. with their friends, right? That's right. Mm, absolutely. To help us today, we are being joined by the wonderful Steve Bidav. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hello, Rani, and hello, Tracy Ann. Hi, Steve. So, guys, Steve Bidav is one of the world's best renowned parenting educators. He has been a psychologist for over 30 years and written a number of best selling books, including Racing Girls, Racing Boys. The Secret of Happy Children, 10 Things Girls Need Most, and he has a brand new book out called Fully Human. Steve is a member of the Order of Australia for his work with young people's mental health, and one of his major focuses is the mental health of girls and young women globally. Welcome, Steve Bidup. Thank you, Rani. Great to be talking to you and all your listeners. Steve, our world is vastly different to how we were raised. What are the main challenges our girls are facing? Yes, well, let me explain the, the, the background, Rainy, that in the tw 20th century, you know, as, as you said, I've been, I'm a really old guy now and I've been around for a while. And my 
I was the main person in the world on boys psychology and and three million people used my raising boys book and I worked in hundreds of schools on helping boys to get um, their lives working and 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 the, the assumption which was true back then was that girls were going great you know in the 20th century we had the women's movement and girls felt they were part of this real building up revolution of of um, having really having strong self-esteem and really taking over the world and so we weren't worried about girls they were terrific they were focused and they knew what they wanted and where they were going but about 10 15 years ago this suddenly began to change and in the mental health area we saw girls mental health basically going over a cliff and I I want to uh, sort of alert the people listening today to the podcast that this podcast is going to stir you up. It's, I tell people that started my girls' talks that we're going to get you cranky and we, you, we, you're going to go out of here feeling really, really kind of a burning rage to change the world for girls because it's got, it wasn't great, but it's got to be really quite horrible. And and so it's not that there's anything wrong with our, our beautiful daughters um, and our smart and strong daughters. It's, it's that the world has become very cold and very mean. And there's been technology changes and there's been changes in how we live that have left girls in a kind of a lonely, exposed place. And so if you come out of this podcast and even you two, Rani and Tracy Ann, come out of here <laughs> feeling like you want to break windows and start a revolution for girls, <laughs> And maybe make changes in your own lifestyle to be more stronger for them. Then that's my goal, and so that's where we come to. And and the, your question was, you know, what's changing and everything. And we can unpack that. Luckily, we've got a bit of time today. We can unpack that. But one in five girls in the Western world will be on on medication for anxiety and stress at some time in her life. Now that's a horrendous figure. But it comes up again and again in my work. It's like there are two girlhoods. There's a girlhood that is laid back and messy and rambunctious and free. But there's this, a girlhood which is trapped and, and stressed and anxious. And it's about, always about that one in five ratio. So most girls are going great, but too many of them are going off the rails. And that's what I began to, to do this work to to, to turn that around because that's too many girls get, are getting trashed we, and we have to save them yeah mm, wow that's um they're big figures steve so can you talk to us about the importance of social connections and why do girls struggle with friendship angst from such a young age okay now we we to help parents get a map of where to go um we figured out that there are that there are basically five stages of girlhood. And the interesting thing, because I know you, you two are focused on teenagers, and, and so what the teenage years are is they're a kind of a, a rerun of the early years. And if you've got a teenager and, and people listening who want to understand your teenager, subtract 12 from their age. And that'll tell you what they're going through for the second time. And I can see your faces kind of wrapping around that idea. And so, so I'll like to spell it out. It's like um, if you've got a 13-year-old, they're like a one-year-old. They're still pretty baby-like. Mm. Um, they go through a second babyhood at 13. 
14-year-olds are like two-year-olds again, and they're cranky and tantrumy and a bit hard work. And so what we've, we do in you know, all my talks and books is we say, okay, here are the stages, and they go through them twice. Does that make sense? They go twice. Mm. Like, okay, you, you're smart women. You're right up yeah. with this. And, and so the first stage of, of girlhood is feeling loved and secure, you know, from birth to two. All you have to worry about is that they're loved and, and family life slows down and there's just lots of cuddles and lots of time and nobody's too stressed out. Mm. And then from two to five, they're toddlers. And so their main job is to explore and to get mus messy and dirty and play. And my little granddaughters, we, we, we play outside all the time and they come back covered in mud. Mm. We sort of hose ourselves down before we go inside. Yeah. And, but the friendship angst stage actually starts at five. And oh, from wow. yeah, and five. Well, not the angst, but the friendship. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, because prime the primary school years are quite fitting, because this is when they are going out into the world on their own, and the peer group is around them all day, and and they're learning. Oh, how do you do other people? Because other people don't put you first like mum and dad do, you know. And they, mm. you know, important lesson. You're not the center of the universe, you know, when you're at school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so. What we say, and this equally applies with teens, is your daughter will come home from school hundreds of times, this is just in the primary years, with some friendship drama that has happened. Mm. And, and so when you say, you know, how was, how was school, and if you're in the car driving home or you're sitting having a snack with them at, when they get home, and, and you can see their face, they're not something bothering them. And it'll be something with friends. Someone will have said, you know, Marlene said something to Darlene about Charlene, you know, and and <laughs> and, and I'm really upset because Charlene's my friend, you know, and 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 the thing then is that they'll be quite anxious about it. But you as their parent, it's it's like when two pair two people are in the same room, their anxiety levels will average out. So if you've got one person very relaxed and one very anxious, they'll kind of meet in the middle. If that makes sense, mm. and yeah. and so so it's really important that you stay calm, and and you say, well, let's tell me about it, you know. But your manner is very, you know, like this yeah. isn't this isn't World War Three, yeah. you know. It's going to be yeah. all right, but you don't say that. You, but your manner is calm, and mm. they and in in the Raising Girls book, we we spelled out this. There are, there's a brilliant man, his name. Actually, sorry, I can't remember right now, but it's in, in, he's a friendship specialist and he worked out the skills of friendship. Um, and there were seven things you need to know, and we put them in the book, but I'll give you a couple now. When the first one is that you can be friends with somebody and it doesn't mean you have to agree with them all the time. Mm -hmm. or, you, or you don't have to do what they do if you don't like, like, think that's right. Yeah, um, absolutely. I can see, yeah, Rani, you, that makes sense to you, doesn't it? And, yeah, yeah. And, and, so, and so you talk to your daughter and she sort of lets off steam for three or four minutes about, you know, her friend did this thing, was terrible. And, and then you come around to, well, you know, listen, honey, you know, uh, friends don't always, you can be friends with someone and not always like what they do, you know, and you don't have to always, and, and she'll kind of put that conclusion into her head and she'll go and, try that out. You go, oh, yeah, you know, and, and, mm. 
And another one that would have been really helped me as a kid to know, even as a boy, it's the same. Um, some people haven't learned to be trustworthy yet. Mm, I like that. Isn't, isn't that great? It's, it's mm. sort of kind ways. Not saying some people are, are bad people. Born it's just, that way. It's, yeah. No, yeah. no, exactly. It's oh, yeah, yeah. It's, you learn, yeah. gradually learn, it pays to be trustworthy. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so you're not writing off their friends as, as sociopaths. You're just saying, look, listen, honey, you know, some people haven't learned to be trustworthy. It takes a while. And so don't, you know, don't trust them with your favorite, favorite pencils, you know, and don't tell them the secret of your heart. They haven't learned in the school yet. No, exactly. Yeah. And, and so, so you're giving them quite a good listening time so they calm down emotionally, but mm -hmm. also just a bit of a, a, con a cognitive conclusion that they can get a handle on. And, and so, so they're learning, you know, and it's a long process. You, you, you're aiming by, the, by year six of primary school, they've got friendship kind of sorted out. And, you know, so that's six, six or seven years to get friendship sorted out. And, and then you go into secondary school and with all the puberty stuff, you know, and it all gets worse. At least you've got the, <laughs> yeah, uh, I see you, Tracy Ann, you're remembering those days. I can see that on your face. And, and, um, and then the puberty stuff kind of, you're not completely in the woods. There's so much more to say, but I, I, th there is another thing, if it's all right about this, which is peer groups are very overrated. And it's, it's actually not natural for our kids to be in a, a group of 30, 12 year olds or a group of 30, 15 year olds. That's very weird in human evolution and human culture because the way we're meant to live is that ages are all mixed up yeah. and there's bigger, older people looking out for you. And so mm. if we put a whole bunch of 14 year old girls together uh, and boys too, even, um, it's a it's a bit of a jungle. It's true, yeah. And, and there's and there's nobody really doing the nurturing. And and I've known groups of girls, really good friends who've done does such brings you to tears how well they have tried to look after each other. Mm. You know, when they've had one of them friends being suicidal or self self harming or something, and and the mm. friends really do, do their best, you know, to keep them afloat. But this is the job of adults to do. And, and so we, we say, you know, first of all, is there actually enough mum and dad in that girl's life? You know, mm -hmm. are we really spending the time with them? And then in the teenage years also, this is a big message that I, I've, I did get into the world quite successfully, that they need aunties. Mm -hmm. And, and, and mentors. Yes, yeah. and auntie figures are in it, it it doesn't have to be your biological auntie but the, there's one thing that a 12 year old girl knows and i i hate to say this when i tell my audiences this i i just my heart just you know clenches sinks because it's painful when it, a 12 year old girl the one thing she's absolutely sure of she doesn't want to turn into her mom <laughs> and it's it's you know it's so sad true. but it's so it's that true. yeah it's that little it's like in science fiction where the little little rocket ship bursts away <laughs> from the mothership yeah it's essentially that separateness isn't it steve that's where they need to separate from their mum so you've done your yes, job pretty much yes. as a mum raising them and then it's creating that separateness exactly it's called individuation and and they want to be their own person but that doesn't mean disappearing into a group of mindless teenagers what we're supposed to have there is there are other women 
like a range of other women. So, you know, if you have a, a, a very unconventional auntie who's unconventionally shaped and unconventionally behaved and very self-assured, then your daughter thinks, wow, you know, you know, so when some idiot voice comes up and says to her, um, you know, oh, you're fat, she just thinks, I love my body. You know, I love my body. Yeah. And, and yeah. where did she get that from? It's because she heard her mom or her auntie or someone say that. Yeah, yeah. It's role models are everything. A lot of uh, uh, takeaways here in terms of social uh, connection, Steve. We learned that from you, what you were just saying, that as parents, we have a lot of responsibility to educate the girls. And when they are going through anxiety or difficulties in social connections, we have to co-regulate their emotions, right? And also finding that um, other figure, adult figure in their life or their role model so they can have a place to share and learn from as well. That's very, that's a very clear summary of, of that, Rani. Thank you. And I only could add to that that sometimes that means maybe we've got to make some choices like you know, that we do have good friendships around us so our daughters meet other good women. Yeah. So that we strengthen our family ties, you know, we go and visit grandparents even if they're a bit, you know, a bit hard work yeah. so that our kids see, look, there's other people who love me. Yeah. My wife had a very rough childhood and uh, grew up in a violent family and but sometimes she would go and stay with a woman who was a friend of the family, an older woman who actually was quite well off and Sharon would stay the night there in a clean bed, had her own bedroom. And it was always quiet and everything was lovely. And, she and safe. Yeah, safe place. And then we sh she she'd go home the next day, but in her memory it was like, that exists. You can be safe. Mm -hmm. and, and so she knew in her life to aim for that. And there'd be many people listening to this podcast who only survived their childhood because of someone outside the family. So yeah, true. Yeah. It gives you hope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Steve, you mentioned before about many girls nowadays experience anxiety. And I probably could identify with this as well when I was young. One of the factors is perfectionism. And this can be a common theme in young girls. You mentioned as well before that, you know, they still have a lot of skill that they need to develop and grow. So perfectionism is actually not helpful in this young age. So what are your tips for dealing with this for us parents? Yes, okay. These are, these are really good, deep questions, Rani. Some of the things, in fact, many of the things the girls suffer from are not coming from the family. The family is fine. It's the, 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 a very, very toxic culture that girls go out into. And some of it is still the old stuff. It's the old sexism from that was always there. And then it's kind of been rebooted by the, the corporate world and the media world. If you're in a school classroom, for example, you know, it's quite normal for, you know, this thing to exist where the boys are bad and the teacher's dealing with the boys because they're being bad and noisy and everything. And the girls are, quote, good. And what mm. and and this it's interesting. We just take this for granted. What does good mean? Because it's a good. It's like a you know go to heaven kind of you know idea. Yeah. You know, it's the whole worth <laughs> of you as a human being. Yeah. Good means being neat, quiet, 
sort of doing beautiful work, working hard, getting good marks. Um, mm. And now the, what's additionally come on top of that is looking amazing as well. Yeah. And because now the, if you have many families just have a TV that's on all the time on a huge mm. screen in the living room, thousands of images of, of women who look amazing by a very narrow definition of, of what amazing is. And your daughter can't help but feel like it's, you know, if you grew up in a village, you know, you were the one who was good with animals or you were the one who was good with artwork and someone else was good with herbs and medicine. And you could kind of find your place, you know, in a, a human group is it should be about 20, 30 people. But now a girl feels like she is competing with the whole universe. Mm, so much yeah. pressure. Yeah. And I have a friend who runs Girls Together groups that run for a whole year during puberty. And the girls meet for a whole year to go through their puberty year together. And she tells them on the very first day, you don't have to fit in. When you're here, you don't have to fit in. And some other girls just start crying when they hear that. Because that's, that. yeah, that's been the story of their life. And so it's acceptance. Yeah. Yes. And so very important to look at have we made it, you know, that we're really big on school marks. And a challenging thing, and probably I'm never quite comfortable as a man saying this because if you you, you two can see me on your screen, um, the listeners can't see me, but I'm a mess. You know, my hair is a mess, my room's a mess, and and, I, and even you know my I'm a funny shape even. So it's never been an option for me to fit in. Um, but but if I, what I say to mothers in in my shows is have a look at what you do during the day is a lot of the conversation in your house about fashion or dieting or mm, it, yeah. is your is your family's bonding activity to go to the shopping mall and buy some throwaway fashion because that might have been 20 years ago quite harmless you know quite mm. benign but if your daughter is in a global competition with the rest of of the human race Maybe you could. Maybe you should just go to the beach. You know, yeah, um, be in nature. Do, do yeah, do something. Get get out running dogs or yeah, uh, yeah. something that doesn't is not to do with that. And and if if you slob out more and say, look, it's the weekend. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in my PJs all weekend. Yeah, bad sure. bad luck. You know. Like what I can say as a man is, us guys. We, we're not, we don't mind, you know. Um, this, is a, this, is a, this is a pain that women inflict on each other. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we, we don't, we, We're happy with you in your PJs. But I love that, Steve, you're talking about essentially it's setting those family values, isn't it? So if you're setting family values yeah. around shopping malls and fashion and looking good and then that's sort of instilling those lifelong values in our children. So yes. getting back to basics, being in nature and just being. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That puts it so well, Tracy. And that's yeah. that's yeah. what I was trying to say, but it wasn't quite getting yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> no. So, Steve, it sounds like what's going around in the world is not only this culture of toxic masculinity, but also toxic femininity, right? Yeah. That unconsciously us as society and parents instill that through this perfectionism. It sounds like that. Mm. Yes, and I think consumerism is is. Really, I think people are acknowledging this now. It, it was it was it was great that we could afford to buy nice clothes and 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 things, and and, and we don't want to go back 
from that. But but we really don't need um, five times as many clothes or five times as big mm-hmm. a house as we Absolutely. had. And then that goes to what are we doing, how are we spending our time as a family? Because people work very long hours now. And so one of, for instance, in, in looking at uh, puberty in girls is um, it's a lot to do with the relationship with their mum in that can they, can they really talk to you about anything? And a, a, a tip which a, a friend of mine who works with very troubled girls came up with, and again, we, we just got her to write 10 pages of the book. We just said, you know, um, Elizabeth, her name's Elizabeth Clark. We said, Elizabeth, can you just write this section? Because you're a woman. Uh, we need a woman to write the puberty chapter. And, and she said, from the age of about eight, mum and daughter, maybe once a month, should go on go out for dinner or, oh, or Saturday lunch or, or, or go to the beach together um, or whatever's a, a, a laid-back sort of hobby that you might both enjoy. But you have g- girls together time. Mm, bonding. Yeah, bonding, mm. that's right. And because this is an age when you're starting to be able to talk a little bit more about your girlhood and your life. and But now, now at the age of eight, you're not talking about much of any great significance Mm-hmm. But it's it's building the foundations, absolutely. And so that so if this is just part of part of your family life, you know, mum and daughter time, and part of it is it, Tracy Ann, you've got two 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 boys, two teenage boys, and a ten year old girl. Well, yes, and so the thing is, it's one to one. The logistics of this are a bit hard. But what families do, because we've got very short of time, we tend to do our family time together. And so we have our family drama, but we just move it to the beach or we move yeah. it to the shack or, <laughs> or so, to the resort. So true, isn't it? <laughs> there are a few people listening who kind of groan I always laugh that on, the, on the Threadbow bus down in Threadbow. You know, you just see all the family frustrations coming out <laughs> on the bus as they're, you know, shoving all their children in, getting their mittens on. and it's <laughs> Yes, yes, it's yeah. all out there. Same thing, different environment, yeah. Yeah, and so the, so the difference... We can only be close to one other human being at a time. And you can have fun with a lot of people, but to really be close, it's got to be one-to-one. It does. Yeah. And so your child gets this feeling like, you know, I'm not with mum a lot, but I know what it feels like to be absolutely have her attention and her love. And yeah. I, yeah, I do do that with my daughter and I appreciate yeah. those moments. And I guess having the two boys. But on that note of puberty, um, Steve, I've thought about it the other day. I think I will be heading into menopause as my daughter will be getting her first period. So that's going to be very tricky in our house for our teenage sons. (laughs) But so we know that puberty can be a slow burn, but it can also happen overnight. What would your advice be to a parent with a tween daughter right on the verge of puberty? Well, again, I think that's it. It, It's it's make the, lay the foundations. So you can talk about anything. And also, I'm glad you used the the word tween because some people use the word preteen. And I get really angry about that word because when when you're 10, you're not pre-anything. You're 10. You're supposed to be 10. And another thing the culture does is it tries to hike up everyone to the next level. Now, basically what's happened is we've lost four years of girlhood. People say 14 is the new 18, and that's terrible. And, and there are girls starting to have sex at 12 and 13 now. The culture pushes you along. 
and so so everything you can do to 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 keep girlhood to to to, uh, to let childhood not be crowded in with with all those worries yeah, about that's, things that's that's really good advice don't force them to grow up too fast yes. yeah keep it slow certainly be be really open about things about you know some people take pills you know to to get super happy and that'll be around when you're a teenager and and, and it's pretty dangerous actually to do because you don't know what's in them and but but that'll happen you'll have friends who'll take take pills mm. and things and mm. and kids will show you pictures of sex and boys will you know want to push a, a phone in your face and, and show you yucky photos about sex yeah. And sex is sex is really nice when it's with the someone that that you trust, and it's really terrible when it's with someone who yeah. who you don't trust. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's just planting that little seed, isn't it? Just before those big conversations, it's just planting those little ones along mm. the way to prepare them for what comes next. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Before you were saying that girls are now exposed to a lot of people in the world out there, so. We would like to talk about girls and the pressure they face with social media and being over-sexualized too young. So yes. our girls seems to be growing up faster than previous generations. And is this solely due to smartphones and social media? And is limiting their access to the internet the only way we can extend their childhood? What What's your opinion on this, Steve? Okay, yes, it's not the only way, but it's sure as hell um, best the place to start. And and always like mums and dads to realise is 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 your your girl your daughter is a wild creature, and and she has a wild creature's senses and instincts and, and nervous system, and and if she's a it's a girl. It's something else than that, which is that girls are wired for social sensitivity. Mm. And and in our hunter-gatherer origins, women pretty much ran the show in, in, in the Paleolithic and Neolithic time. And the women were very, very collaborative. And 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 they were and so our the senses were wide. If someone in a in a hunter-gatherer culture, someone's upset, everyone needs to know that. And because they're gonna count on them. And and they want to get to the bottom because if you're working as a team all day in a hostile environment, you need to, everyone's got to really be in harmony with each other. Mm. And so so girls and women are much more strongly aware of facial expressions in other people, moods, and any kind of disharmony. And so that's okay if you're only dealing with twenty people. But what the internet did, and this nobody. Um, had this planned it was just one of these accidents that came along that suddenly you could be out there on social media with thousands of strangers and they could comment on your looks or they could say anything they wanted and i think it's um, something like 60 percent of teenage girls will be still checking their devices after midnight in their bedrooms and they're so they're out in a jungle and so there are people there of the worst possible kinds and who will be you know posing as teenage girls or posing as as young boys when it's actually some 60 year old man in germany or, or mm, something yeah. mm. and they will manipulate and some of them will just 
and he, and it, but it could even just be kids at school, at their own school. Just that one comment can be an undoing. Yeah, yes, ex exactly. And I, I, I'm the same. If I, I've got a Facebook community of, of 200,000 parents, sometimes someone says something unkind. If I'd stupidly gone on in the middle of the night, you know, I, I don't do that now. My, my family's got me on a curfew. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, be, I'll stay awake. For the rest of the night, thinking, how could I answer, reply to that? And so, practical tips: don't have devices in bedrooms. We came across this about three years ago on my Facebook Parents of Girls community. Somebody suggested it, and we it it, it went sort of viral, basically. And 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 it was everybody puts their devices on their chargers at the start of dinner time. Adults as well. And nobody goes near them till the next morning. Mm. Now, isn't that? I saw your eyebrows both raised then when I said that. Thinking how I could implement that it's, in my house. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because it mainly is a discipline for you. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's us. Um, yeah. Uh, but but it, it, what happened? We said, well, you know, that was my reaction. Can you even do that? Mm. What well, people started coming in. So a mum from Ireland came in, and then someone else from somewhere else, and then, and a teenage girl came in. And said, my parents did that, and I didn't, I couldn't. I was so angry, and then I realized it was such a relief. And parents said, look, our daughters, the next morning they have a good night's sleep, and the next morning they're actually keen to go to school. They used to be dreading going to school. And also, everything's better after a good night's sleep, isn't it? You know, <laughs> any kind of decision making or rationalizing or whatever Mood it may be. regulation. It's, yeah, yeah that's yeah. 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 reset. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. right. And, and you know, when we were kids, everyone listening had a horrible year. Everyone had a horrible year at school. Sometimes had a horrible mm. life at school, yeah. but everyone had a horrible year. And you knew at least I've, I've got, you know, 12, 14 hours before I'm back there. That's right. Smartphones took that away. And so we, we, it's our job as parents to reinstate the haven of home. Yeah. And so on that note, Steve, you know, this navigating the world of social media, how do we know when girls can actually handle it? Like the right age is, what is it, 13 for a lot of these social media sites, but can they actually handle it at 13? No. Again, uh, again, you subtract 12 and I would say 16. Even then, I would never have computers in bedrooms. Yeah. Mm. Now, that's more important for boys because pornography is very accessible. Yes. And, and they get completely misprogrammed about what lovemaking is supposed to be like. Whether it's a boy or a girl, I'd be telling them, look, um, pornography is wrong. We've, in the book, we've got the five ways pornography is completely misleading uh, about the nature of, of happy sexuality. And, and a lot of girls get quite horrified and, and, and really disillusioned by, by this. And to say that, look, real lovemaking is close and it's tender and it's generally you take your time and, you, you know, you can hold hands for six months and it's just a blast, you know, you feel yeah. brilliant, you know. And, and, and whereas today, uh, Melinda Tankard-Reist, who's a wonderful girls educator, she, she talks to the kids and she, the girls say, nobody kisses anymore. The boys, they, they, don't, they don't bother with kissing. They just get straight down to it. And, and, oh, and you feel so sad, you know. That's it's the like, best part. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's confusing for the girls. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yes. You have been listening to the very insightful Steve Bidup talking to us about raising girls. 
our interview with Steve featured so much great advice, we will be running the second half in our next episode. Join us as we discuss how we can help our daughters navigate peer pressure, raising girls with a healthy self-esteem, and tips for parents to trust their innate instincts. Steve has amazing resources for parents at his website, stevebidup.com, with upcoming online talks that people can join anywhere in the world. And of course, we highly recommend his fabulous books, including Raising Girls in the 21st Century, 10 Things Girls Need Most, and his new book, Fully Human. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let others know by sharing and rating us whenever you listen to our podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to get in touch with a question for us to discuss in a future episode, please send us an email or send us a voice memo to hello at findingpeaceandparenting.com. And if you would like to find out more information or book a session with Tracy Ann or myself, you can contact Tracy Ann at studyingwithyou.com.au and me at ranimoran.com. Tracy Ann is a certified life coach and I am a counselor, certified life coach and speaker. You can find links in the show notes. Bye, Bye. for now.